You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, it's late Thursday night. We're getting ready for a baseball series. Mississippi State going on the road to the other maroon and white, Texas A&M. I'm Charlie Winfield. Bart Gregory is with me. Bart, I don't know any other way to say it. The guys out in A&M just marched to a little different tune than most other teams in the SEC. Yeah, they, um, hey, the, a lot of times they're nice people. And, um, but like we talked about last week, they're that, uh, they're that cousin at the family re- reunion that everybody's like, they smile at, but they don't get into deep conversation with, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's uh, it's just a different, different group of people. And I think they've got graduation going on out there this weekend. And so they didn't have enough hotel rooms. I think uh, coach Polk is staying at home. I think Jim's got the radio broadcast by himself this weekend. So, Hey, they play themselves into a top ten right now. They started out slow this season, Charlie, but this is a team under Jim Schlossnagel in his first year. They had a lot of transfers, and they kind of jailed midway through the season. Uh, they certainly did. And playing really good baseball all of a sudden. By the way, this is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig as we take a look and kind of dive into the numbers, dive into these two teams. Tracks Plus you know, Tracks Plus, Bart, got on board with us doing these deep digs back in football, and you and I had a lot of fun kind of breaking down football games before they were played and trying to decide where we were right and wrong looking back. Baseball is just made for digging into the numbers. Yeah, and this has been a year that's been a really intriguing year when you start looking at numbers. I mean, our offensive numbers, and, you know, we've gone through so many times and Sunday coffee and things of that nature. And we've talked about, you know, the lack of offense. And and at times we've had that this year. But, man, when you look at the overall stats, the stats are not that bad offensively. And we talked about the walks last week. And, yeah, the uh, the stats kind of lend itself to what we're doing right here with the Tracks Plus Deep Dig. I saw Chris Weems with uh, with Tracks Plus last weekend. He came by the by the outfield, talked to him for a while, and, Man, just so many cool things that they're doing right now and building that brand right now. They started out so small, and now they've just kind of morphed into a giant right now in the equipment world. And so, man, just a, a great group of guys that, uh, that that do it right customer service-wise and have a great product. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I got on the skids here. I'm looking forward to something with a good old mulching head before too long. I got some stuff I'm ready to ready to cut down. Maybe we could have a little experiment here in my yard. But in any way, Bart, let's take a look at these two teams. You know, before we dig into players and records and all that, you know, you and I spend time, we go, we watch these other teams as we get ready for weekends and looking at it. I'm curious, when you look at Texas A&M, what jumps out at you first? Their aggressiveness at the plate. Well, you say aggressiveness, because this is a team, Charlie, when you start looking at numbers and you look at their good batting average, they walk a lot. But it's almost like they're aggressive early in counts. I mean, they jump out early. But if you fall behind 2-0, 
if you're a pitcher, if you fall behind 2-0, they're, they're a team that they'll, they'll play out the at-bat with you a little bit. They'll make you walk them a little bit and throw strikes. And so it, it's just a, it's an aggressive team, but a team that has pretty good you know idea at the plate. Yeah, you kind of hit on the thing that, that I was looking at. Um, here's what's interesting about A&M. And when I go look at stats, I look at league-only stats, particularly this time of year. I don't really care that somebody runs up their numbers in the middle of the week or something like that. I want to see what you did on the weekends when it mattered. Here's what jumped out at me about A&M. In league games, they're number one in batting average. They're number one in on-base percentage. They're number one in runs scored, hits, RBIs, and doubles. They're number one in walks. But then they're 12th in the league in strikeouts. And so I got to thinking about that. How do you reconcile a team that strikes out as much as anybody in the league, or nearly so, that walks more than anybody, and then has this high batting average? How do you have all those strikeouts and the highest batting average? What it tells me is that when they put the ball in play, they hit it pretty hard. Because when you take that many strikeouts, your balls in play better be hit. If you're giving up that many balls, you know, that many at-bats, not putting it in play. And so then when you get to watching, the one thing that kind of jumped out at me is exactly what you said. You know, I think we've used the phrase sometimes kind of ambushing the fastball. This this is a team that'll do that. This is a team that I think back and you say, all right, what do you worry about for a Preston Johnson against these guys? Man, it's got the feel of a team who, if you aren't careful, I know they don't hit as many home runs as an Ole Miss, but it's got the feel of a game that if you go up there, the first couple of guys that get me over fastballs just trying to get ahead and count, you're going to have trouble. Yeah, and especially when you're pitching up in the zone. And, you know, that's that's the thing that we've done this year is we've given up some home run balls. And you start thinking about, you know, Brandon Smith last week. You know, the first thing you got to think of, and you hate to say it like this, is what's the strike zone going to be like? I mean, are you going to have a tight zone in the game, then game one with Brandon Smith? And how tight is that zone going to be? Because as we talked about the other day, Chris Lamonis on Dog Talk Monday night, just talking about the, the hits that Brandon Smith gave up last Friday night. We're right in the middle of the plate. Does he feel like he has to locate in the middle of the plate? That's going to be a big key. You know, this time of year at College Station, it kind of is like it flips the script a little bit with the way that ballpark, Olsen Field, Bluebell Ballpark, is. it's almost, it faces due north, all right? And so early in the season, what ways the wind blow? It's usually coming out of the north. And so everything stays in that ballpark early in the year. But then late in the year, you get southerly winds. It's very similar to Baton Rouge, and it's going to be hot this weekend. Well, that's something we need to talk about, too. We haven't played on a really hot weekend. We're going to have to pitch in hot weather Saturday and Sunday, you know, 94, 95. But the wind's going to be blowing out of the south, which is straight out of that ballpark. And that's the thing I remember about going over there. And first of all, they did a great job when they renovated that facility. It's been a you know double-deck ballpark for a long, long time. But they went in and, and jazzed it up. They did a great job with their press box and everything underneath with the amenities. And it's kind of where you get the, the idea for the Triple Crown Club. They have that Champions Lounge underneath. And, 
And so, but man, I tell you what, this time of year, that ball will travel. And you start talking about a team that goes up there hunting for fastballs early. I mean, you could see some early count action. The other thing you look at with these guys, too, if they've got a weakness against a fastball, it tends to be inside. But it's like every one of these guys are all kind of built in the same mold of just loving to get an account or they get a fastball on the outside part of the plate, middle middle out. You know, you, you got some guys that you can get out of balls up and in, but the thing is, some of these guys are strong enough. You, you got to feel good about where you are to to get one in there on them. Yeah, that's right. And to me, you're you're right with all the exception of about one guy, and that's Troy Clunch, who's a catcher. And Clunch is a transfer from Oregon State. That's one of the things I guess we need to talk about too. I mean, they built this team with a lot of transfers. Uh, Troy Clunch was at Oregon State, played against us. He, he when Oregon State came in here a couple of years ago and played in that three game series. So we saw Troy at that time, but. You know, he's one of the guys who's, you know, a veteran on this team that likes to go into right center field. He's a right-handed hitter. It's almost like he knows who he is, and that's kind of his sweet spot is that outside pitch. But like you said, everybody else, it's almost like you can pound in. You know, they've got a really good leadoff guy in Cole Kaler, and he's a switch hitter. He's a really good right-handed hitter. Um, he bats from the left side's pretty good, okay, but a really good right. But he's a spark plug at the top of the order. He's a guy to lay down a bunt. Uh, it's it's almost like this is a veteran team that was put together, and they they've just kind of figured. It's almost like they've got several RJ Acres is what it is. You know, you kind of early in the year trying to get adapted to the SEC, and then all of a sudden they figured it out. You know, the the problem for us is is you know RJ's been in the minority. <laughs> And uh, A&M's had several guys kind of take that path of an R.J. Yeager. You know, Kaler's an interesting guy at the top of the order. You know, he did not lead off the Saturday and Sunday games last week. They brought in a, a guy, Trevor Warner, um, who was kind of a dead pull guy. But Kaler, I said Kaler's a switch hitter. I feel like he is a better hitter right-handed then left-handed, and so you say, all right, do you, do you have an advantage there? Well, we're going to be sending up a bunch of right-handed guys, which has him hitting from the left side. And you wonder if they stay with dropping him down in the order with us having so many right-handed arms coming out of there. And, you know, he's about 65 points better from the right side than the left. So, uh, you know, if there, if there is a, a good spot to having a bunch of right-handed arms, Maybe turn Kaler around and kind of drop him down in the order. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, that's one of the things, yeah, you do have to look at his splits, and his splits are nowhere near as good batting from the left side. The guy that worries you is, is a guy like Austin Bost. You know, he, he's a guy that early on in the count, he's got a big long swing. I don't watch some of the tape on, uh, on A&M. He's got a long swing. Looks like he'll chase down, and you kind of wonder – if you go out there with a with the attack of starting him off a breaking ball, so what does that mean? If you start him off a breaking ball, you need to throw that breaking ball. You know, you would like to get some strikes because, like you said, this is an A and M team that uh, that once they get to one o two o, they're good at working the count. And so, just yeah, just looking, I mean, offensively, they're they're a pretty good team, man. I mean, but they're not. You know, early in the season, they lost two out of three against Penn. 
they they had some bad losses early in the season, but as the year has gone on, you know they lost two out of three at home against against Auburn. They went to Alabama and had a good series at Alabama, had a good series at at Georgia, and you know, they lost two out of three against Arkansas. They they've played well of late, but I mean, this is a you don't want to say vegetable lasagna because they're not. They're they're like vegetable lasagna with like a hint of you know cayenne pepper. You know what I'm saying? It's uh they yeah. got they got they got a little spice to it. Yeah, see, I give them a little more credit than that. Only in this sense, I think that's where they are in the macro. I think this is a team that's upwardly mobile here. I Man, I think this is a team that's gotten better as the season has gone on, with maybe one big old set of question marks coming up and that's the pitching staff and so with that in mind probably as good a time as any Bart for us to jump in and kind of look at these opening pitching matchups such as they are we don't really know what A&M is going to do this weekend but it is time I suppose let's go ahead and declare it it is time for our Mosquito Joe pitching matchups brought to you by our friends at Mosquito Joe I was sitting outside last night, and my wife said, it's time. It's that time of year you got to call Mosquito Joe because I'm tired of these bugs just eating me alive on the back porch. So we're going to be placed to call to my good friend Bob Spanky, Robert Carlton, he and Dorsey Harder, the guys at Mosquito Joe's. Whether you're in Jackson, whether you're in Meridian, Starkville, give them a call. They can give you help. and. They can help make outdoors fun again. Bart, looking at these pitching matchups, only one starter has been announced for Texas A&M. That's the guy on Friday, the right-hander Detmer, Nathan Detmer. Um, he's good. Uh, and he's, he's clearly their best arm, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he is. And he's, he's not an overpowering. I mean, he's fastball, you know, 91, 92. I mean, he can ram it up to 94, but he's pretty much a guy that lives at, at 91, 92, which is not an overpowering. Uh, he's going to work away from left-handed hitters. I mean, he's going to throw you some change-ups and fastballs, outer part of the plate, sliders down and into left-handed hitters, but mostly staying away. He'll also throw that change-up to a right-handed hitter. His change-up is pretty good. And so um, fastball, change-up, slider guy, three-pitch guy. And so, yeah, Detmer's been there for a while, but he's an over-the-top type guy. And so it's not like he's three-quarter. That's what you'll see with Micah Dallas if you see him any of the weekend. But, you know, Detmer's not a guy that gets just a ton of movement with his fastball, but it really – that fastball change, it tunnels well, and it's been really good against left-handed hitters. When you look at the numbers on the season, Nathan Detmer, ERA of 3.18, a 5-2 and two record, his walks are low at 15, 65 innings pitched, but he's not a huge strikeout guy, 59 strikeouts. He's not a guy that is unhittable. Opponents hitting 243 against him. And last week in the ball games against South Carolina, uh, you know, it wasn't great. Um, he only lasted four and two thirds, gave up seven hits, a couple of runs. You know, I, I guess I'll go back to it. He's, he's a, a cayenne peppered up version of vegetable lasagna. But the thing that he does, and this is the thing about Detmer, 
He just doesn't beat himself. It, it's a better get the bats off the bus because you're going to have to swing your way on against these guys. They are not going to just give you free bases. And so I think with Detmer, nothing fancy, but you better go hit it. Yeah, and last week was probably as down of an outing as he's had in a while. I mean, you look back in the in the month of April, he was really good. You know, Kentucky, he went six innings, you know, struck out five, he walked one, gave up two runs on six hits. But then you had four of uh, three consecutive starts against Georgia, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt, where he gave up just one run. He gave up one unearned run against Georgia, and that was in eight innings of work. He struck out nine, didn't walk anybody. Then he struck out seven and walked one against Arkansas three weeks ago in five innings of work. And then against Vanderbilt, he went seven innings. So he's been really good in the month of April. Last week took a little bit of a step back against South Carolina. And so, yeah, Detmer's no doubt their ace. And we're going to throw Brandon Smith. And so you, you begin to see guys like to, you know, like a Detmer – as it gets hotter, as you know, you, you start uh, maybe losing a little bit of spin with that slider, and uh, it, it heats up and doesn't get as much traction. So, anyway, hopefully we can come out and, and get to him pretty early. All right. So then you move to Saturday, and there's a big question mark for Texas A&M and where they go. The guy who's been the Saturday guy is a guy named Micah Dallas. He came from Texas Tech. Big things were expected. There was a lot of questions. Can this guy be a front-of-the-rotation ace in the SEC? They expected that much out of him. He struggled at times. His ERA is about six. But here's what he did last weekend. Now, keep in mind, A&M ultimately won this game 13-12. to This is the one they were down, what, like 9 nothing, something to that effect. Um, but he goes an inning and a third. He gives up eight hits, eight runs. Five of those were earned. And all of a sudden, you've got a big old question mark about who's going to pitch that game on Saturday. If they hold the form, it'll be Micah Dallas. But as we said, he didn't throw that great. Then the other thing to keep in mind, Bart, probably time for a detour. Texas A&M didn't spend any pitching in the midweek. Well, and kind of leads itself to another situation too, Charlie. And, you know, they, they canceled their midweek against Incarnate Word. And Jim Schlossnagel pretty much came out and said it earlier today. And the reason we didn't do it is that we didn't want to hurt our RPI. You know, you had Incarnate Word who had a high RPI. Right now, Texas A&M's RPI is like 19. They're projected hosts, a possible hosts. And, you know, they're, they're trying to play with, with RPI. I tell you what, man, I would love to know – exactly what incarnate word thought of this because we say it every year we said it last year you know going the last two weekends of the year we our rpi was number two in the country and you always end up with a with a high rpi game late in the year and you sit there and say man we need a rain out i mean we would be saying it right now if we had an rpi of 50 we don't need to play north alabama on tuesday night but you know what you do you play the game because that's just the way you're supposed to do it. You don't cancel ball games because of your RPI. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I understand it. I mean, I understand because we all tongue-in-cheek say, man, we don't need to play this game. But if the weather is okay, that that's kind of a cop-out. And I'm, I'm just not in favor of canceling ball games. And you kind of wonder if Incarnate Word will uh, will look to schedule the Aggies in the future. 
Well, here's why they will. The head baseball coach at Incarnate Word is a guy named Ryan Schatzberger. Ryan Schatzberger, between 2007 and 11, coached with Jim Schlossnagel. So you kind of wonder if there wasn't a phone call put in and say, look, brother, I'm going to make it up to you next year, and we'll send you that guaranteed payment and save you the road trip. Yeah, we may come play you at your place in a couple of years. Everybody will be wondering why A&M went to Incarnate Word. And now but we will all know the answer. So anyway, that's the detour. Texas A&M didn't have to use any pitching. How does that affect them on the weekend? We'll have to see. But Dallas was the guy. Now, what they might do is, you know, they've got a pretty good freshman at the back of the rotation in Prager. All right, so you've got a left-hander, Ryan Prager, over-the-top guy. He's been not great, but pretty good. Pitched in the ball game on Sunday last weekend. You wonder, do they slide him up? And then again, as you make that decision, and you've got a guy who's struggling, where do you want to match him? Do you want to match a struggling guy on Saturday against Preston Johnson? Or on Sunday against Cade Smith? I think you could make the argument, and you know I'm a Preston Johnson fan, but you can make the argument that Cade Smith's pitching better than anybody else in our rotation right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and Cade was probably the best of all three last weekend. And, and, Charlie, I keep going back to this point of it's going to be hot this weekend. And you start looking at what Prager did, has done over the last month. I mean, as long as outing, he went six innings against Santa Clara early this year. He's pitched primarily out of the bullpen. But, man, you know, three and a third against Arlington, three innings last weekend against South Carolina. He went an inning against Georgia, four innings against Alabama. He wasn't very good against Bama. But, I mean, this is going to be a pitch-by-committee type weekend, especially if you're a max effort guy, because it's going to be – I mean, it's going to be hot. And saving these guys and saving these pitchers, that's one of the things we talked about, man, is we don't have a whole lot of depth. I mean, we do not have a whole lot of depth in our pitching. And you just kind of wonder, with the wind blowing out straight out to center field, and then you're going to have a lot of heat, this is um, – this is going to be one of those weekends you cannot afford to throw too many extra pitches, if you know what I mean. You can't afford the walks. You can't afford the three-ball counts. And so, but going back to your point, I could see them throwing Prager on Saturday against Preston Johnson. You talk about our lack of depth, Bart, and that's one thing. I was kind of thinking about this last night. You almost wonder if right now the lack of depth isn't just a weekend issue. It's just, it's almost become cumulative. It, it feels like some of our guys have just gotten ground down a bit. Um, you know, maybe guys who were kind of trained to be sprinters are having to run a little bit longer than they wanted to. Um, do, you, am I, do you see anything there? Yeah, dude. And I think, you know, so much is to do with consistency too, Charlie. Because there's been, a, you know, a few times in a year. I mean, you, you think about, you know, being down in, in Pearl and, and thinking that, say, Tepper and and Jackson Fristo, and I like both of those guys a lot. You just you were hoping they were you know, going to figure it out. And then, you know, it's just been one of those things that's been, it's been hot and cold with so many guys in your bullpen. Now, the positive of what you saw on Tuesday night from the left-handed side, Cole Cheatham has pitched well from the left side for the most part of the, you know, the last few times he's pitched. But, I mean, the options are getting slim 
uh, down in that bullpen. And uh, you, like you said, it's it's so much – you can tell with so many of these guys, it's mental, it's kind of gotten beaten down a little bit. And, um, and going on the road into a place that – you know, a team that has not been very good the past few years. It's a big weekend on their campus, and they're playing better. And so it will be, you know, they'll probably have some decent-sized crowds over there this weekend. And so it's going to be tough. This is going to be a tough weekend for us. Hey, one last thing to look at before we go move off of pitching. Three of the best arms for A&M out of their bullpen are left-handers. And it doesn't feel like we always see a ton of that. So we could see a number of left-handed options for Texas A&M out of the bullpen. And that's a look at our Mosquito Joe pitching matchups on the weekend. And now it's time for our two brothers, two guys that can kill you. Two brothers. Hey, look, tomorrow, today as you're listening to this most likely, is Friday. Mark Gregory, I can almost bet you will be there eating some wings. But I'm telling you, look, man, I know I, I'm kind of streaky at two brothers. So I go in there, I go taco heavy, and now and then, though, I just break down and get the burger. You know, I don't, I don't think we talk enough about just the fact that Two Brothers has a really good hamburger, and really good hamburgers are just tough to beat. Yeah, they are. And, Charlie, the answer is no. I will not be at Two Brothers tomorrow. I went today. I went today for lunch to Two Brothers because I will not be in town tomorrow because it's an off weekend and – not going to be in town, and so two brothers was my choice today. And um, hey, jumped on some wings again. I mean, I'm I'm a creature of habit. On Sunday mornings, I am going to drink blueberry cobbler flavored coffee, and on either Thursday or Friday, I'm going to eat smoked wings from Two Brothers Smoked Meats. And so those are two things that are constants in my life, and I'm pr- feel pretty you know confident and comfortable with those two constants. Well, it's a pretty good place to plant your flag. Two brothers, check them out if you're in town this weekend, or if not, you come into town next weekend for the Tennessee series. All right, Bart, our two guys that can kill you, who would you like to take? Well, I'm going to start with Dylan Rock. I'm going to go with Dylan Rock. Oh, man. You do this to me every weekend. Was that going to be your guy? That was my guy. And the reason I was going to go with Dylan Rock is because, to be honest with you, I don't remember a guy with the last name of Rock since Jamie Rock. Remember Jamie Rock? I do remember Jamie Rock, and I remember the walk-up song was from The Rock and the wrestler The Rock. I wonder if Dylan Rock has that same walk-up music. Hey, and when Jamie Rock was here, that was almost like the early ages of walk-up music. But anyway, Dylan Rock's batting over 300, batting 329. But he's got 12 home runs. He's tied with the team lead with Targak with uh, 12 home runs on the season. But, you know, he's an extra base hit type guy. 11 doubles, one triple, 12 home runs. He's uh, tied for, well, he's actually third on the team in doubles. And so he's a guy that makes them count, batting 329, as we said, strikes out 33 times, but he walks 37 time so he's second on the team in walks and he's that guy you talk about charlie he's a guy that can run into one or if you get late into the count he can turn into a guy that's kind of like luke hancock that just drives you crazy if you're a pitcher because he's going to take some pitches all right she took my guy but that's okay i'm going to go with jack moss moss the first baseman's been hitting in the three hole 
fairly consistently for Texas A&M. 370 batting average. Not a ton of pop. Five home runs on the year, but he's got gap power, 12 doubles. Good slugging percentage. His OPS is high at about 950. Doesn't run a ton, but when he does, he's successful. Hey, brief note, by the way, you notice that A&M is one of those teams who will run until you throw them out. And then once you throw them out, they kind of put an end to it. They kind of run to you stop them. But in any event, Jack Moss, and here's the other thing about him too. Moss is a guy who is also a transfer. Moss was at Arizona State. He was all packed 12 as a freshman and now in college station. So Jack Moss, the guy that, that I'm looking out for. And Moss, by the way, you know, left-handed hitter. And the thing about him, I feel like he is a guy sitting there in that three spot. You know, they hit him second earlier in the year a little bit. I almost like Moss is just one of those guys who, and you just use this phrase about rock, kind of like Luke Hancock. The thing about Moss, he just kind of battles and, and kind of fights his way at the plate. And, the key to him, young guys, sometimes you can beat them with spin out of the zone. I think that's one of the keys to getting Jack Moss out. But it's it's tough to do because he doesn't get himself out. You know, what you just said, he battles. And that's the one thing that Dylan Rock does as well. He's a really good two-strike hitter. And so that's the thing about you know this, this Texas A&M team is – is when they get two strikes, they kind of shorten up and they, and they have a different approach at the plate. And so that's one of the things that kind of worries you about the weekend is if they do get two strikes on them, they do like to work some pitchers. When you hit a guy, there are two guys, Austin Boss and Dylan Rock, who both have more walks than they have strikeouts. And to me, that's such a big deal in college baseball. It just kind of tells you the guy can hit. Moss isn't that guy, but he does walk a fair amount. Um, so uh, those are my guys. I think I'm going with Moss. You've gone with Rock. And so that's a look at our two brothers, two guys that can kill you. Bart, your kind of final thoughts on this weekend? Well, uh, you just kind of wonder what the mindset is of, of our players, of our guys. You know, you, you lost that final two games at, at Missouri. You lose all three to, to Florida, and then you lose on a Tuesday night against Sanford. And so, you know, right now reeling a good bit here at the end of the season. And, and Charlie, you know this. I mean, this you know, baseball is a game where when you get to game 40, 45, it really is a grind. And, you know, we talked to Tanner Allen about, you know, minor league baseball, about how you almost have to self-motivate. I mean, no, many, no matter how many times you've heard Chris Lamonis in the dugout or Jake Gotro try to get you ready to play, this time of year, sometimes you have to self-motivate. And you just wonder what the self-motivation is, you know, you know, for the tail end, just because you're kind of in a tailspin right now. This will be a, a team, this will be a weekend that will not be fun if you do not throw strikes if you if you're a 2-0 or 3-0 all weekend long this will not be a fun weekend because this is a team that can put up some offensive numbers in a hurry well that's the thing i think you just nailed it you got to throw strikes and look if they hit it they hit it you just got to take your chances well that's a look at texas a&m mississippi state bulldogs will have a chance but it's getting smaller Need a lot of wins this weekend. 
So for Bar Gregory, I'm Charlie Winfield. Special thanks again to our friends at Farm Bureau, agents in all 82 counties. Go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Our friends at Tracks Plus, Mosquito Joe, and two brothers here in Starville. And as always, too, thanks to our friends over at Bank First. Check them out at bankfirstfs.com for all your banking needs. We'll be back Sunday, Sunday coffee, hopefully a couple of wins between now and then. Thanks for hanging out.